0: You get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin'. And today, I need to make an introduction for all of you wonderful listeners. So I'd heard of this food truck called Burning Bridges Food Truck previously, but... It wasn't described to me as one of those you-have-to-go-now types of places, but that was before. I want to be that voice for you people. I was so blown away by my first visit, I immediately had two thoughts. One, why are more people not talking about this place? And two, I need to meet the owner, have him on the podcast, and learn more about the Burning Ridges food truck. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. I've got Zach Bridges here in the studio. Zach, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Dan.
0: So I just want to start just kind of with a red carpet and allow you to introduce Burning Bridges to the audience. Um, How would you describe Burning Bridges to someone who's not visited you yet?
1: Uh, Some of a food truck that does burgers and chicken sandwiches. Um, All my burgers are Juicy Lucy's, so it's a cheese stuffed burger. And all the rest of the toppings are on... Obviously, the top of the burger. Um, I do a specialty burger every month that changes whatever filling and then toppings go on it. also focus on gluten-free, so dedicated gluten-free fryers. I do a chicken sandwich that is absolutely just massive. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> it is like the size of a cantaloupe.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe watermelon. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's pretty big. We also do waffle fries, pickle chips, and those are gluten-free as well. Gotcha. Okay, so before we even get started,
0: I want to lay out where people can find you. Uh, I know that you do private events, you post up at Trucks and Taps, um, usually a couple times a week. Definitely, I would encourage anyone to follow Burning Bridges Food Truck on Instagram. You do a really good job of updating your schedule on there, not only weekly, but almost daily, of where you're going to be and what you're doing. Is there any other ways... That people can stay up to date with Burning Bridges?
1: Uh, Our Facebook does the same thing. Every day I'll post about it. Most of the time it stays on Facebook. Sometimes it doesn't like to transfer to Instagram. Business suite's weird. But yeah, Trucks and Taps is our base. That's 108th and Q. We're usually there. But yeah, as you said, bounce around to private parties. We hit breweries around town. Try to once a month. Just get out there.
0: One of the things that I think is very unique about your food truck is... In about a minute, you ran through your whole menu because we're usually you're only running three to four items, a couple side dishes, and that's it. It's a very condensed menu, and you do run specials periodically, and we'll get into some of those. But what was your strategy as you started the truck behind running such a tight, condensed menu?
1: Um, so when I started the truck, I was by myself. My wife would run the window, and she didn't have much cooking experience, so she would handle topping stuff. So we tried to keep the menu kind of smaller so I wouldn't have to do eight different things in a 10 minute span where I can do two to three things and get multiple things out in a smaller window of
0: time. Right. And I think it also allows you to spend more time developing each of those menu items and perfecting them. Like you really get into the nitty gritty on three or four things versus spending less time on, 10 or 12 different things, especially on a food truck when that execution window is so small. I just, mm. at first when I walked up to the window and I saw that you know, the menu is a little smaller, I was like, man, that that's interesting. But the more I thought about it, and then as I actually tasted the food, I was like, I think this actually works into Zach's advantage really, really well. Now, we have spent too much time already without getting into the fried chicken sandwich, because immediately, like, one, you just look at it. And it is like, I can't really even describe it. It's like a sandwich that is, there's a part of the chicken that's inside the bun, and then there's like a whole other part that just like spills out the side of it, where if you cut that off, you could probably put that inside a bun and almost have a second chicken sandwich. It's literally that big. But the amazing thing is, when I bit into that thing, I immediately forgot about how big it was because it was so flavorful and the skin, or excuse me, the batter was so crispy, yet that chicken was still so moist, like immediately, it like went near the top of my, near near or at the top of my Omaha fried chicken sandwiches, like incredible can you just break down that monster for me, I mean, maybe don't like tell all the trade secrets, but kind of tell me how you developed this thing, kind of how it's become your flagship item, and just whatever
1: you want to say about it, just go open Um, mic, so kind of when I thought about what I wanted when I did an idea for hey I'm going to open a food truck Um, always wanted a chicken sandwich and always wanted a burger but I have a few friends that are celiac and they've always said hey you should try to do a chicken sandwich for some time or hey we want to do chicken fingers when they're at our house so I threw together a flour blend and it kind of worked and I was like oh this was really easy And it has flavor. The spices, it's more of a Mediterranean blend of spices that I put in it. And then the dredge is just buttermilk and Greek yogurt and some hot sauce. So it's simple, but the flavors just all blend together. And then when you fry it, it just gets crunchy. It's just KFC crispy. Uh, That's a very good description.
0: I think a lot of people, when they think about making something gluten-free, it's thought of as a challenge because you're having to remove ingredients that you would normally use and maybe that, you know, affects the quality as to, you know, you're appealing to people who have a, a, a food sensitivity, but maybe that's not like the way that you would always create that item if you wanted to. Do you think Mm -hmm. that there's something about making that sandwich gluten-free that actually played to your advantage, and it does
1: play into how crispy it gets? Um, I mean, the flour blend, the starch that I use in it is definitely a factor in how crunchy it gets, and I have an extra amount of starch compared to what a normal sandwich would. Um, But I would say it definitely takes advantage with it. So
0: I've seen other interviews with you where you've said that you want this to be known as the best fried chicken sandwich on the market and I'm willing to say it's right in contention. Are you constantly tinkering with that recipe or is is it something where you feel like it's at a great point and you know don't touch it, don't mess with it?
1: Um I'd say it's probably close to that point of not touching it. I play around with the flour just a little bit on ratios just every now and again just to try it in small batches and then if it works to my advantage i'll take take it and make it in a bulk setting but it's it's pretty close to where i'm not gonna just make any drastic changes to it Mm -hmm. it's it's on the mark and the zesty white sauce oh that oh your eyes just lit up yep just go uh It's a mayo sauce that's got horseradish to give it a kick. It's got some other spices to kind of keep it just full of flavor. And there's a vinegar in there that just helps cut everything to just bring it all together. And it goes on everything, not just that chicken sandwich, waffle fries, the pickle chips. Whenever I do onion rings and cheese curds that are also gluten-free, it goes with those. It is just an Ultimate utility sauce. It goes on everything that I've ever made at my house also. <laughs> like, I've got a quart of it at my house. That I was going to say, do you just week. have like a
0: vat in the garage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a
1: quart that I go through every week at the house that everything.
0: And I mean, if you ever run out of things to dip into it or, or put it on, just throw a straw in there and just
1: enjoy it because that is that is a special sauce. How did you come up with that? Um, So it's... The base sauce is an Alabama white barbecue sauce. And I've added some extra things to it and played around with it for a few years now. And it's it's my favorite sauce I've ever put on anything. And I grew up making barbecue sauces and this just way above anything else. That's so fascinating to me when
0: you say that you've been playing around with it for a few years. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to imagine that moment in my mind where you've been working on the sauce, working on this sauce, working on this sauce, tinkering, tinkering. And then there comes that time where you make it and it's just like, bam, I've got it. Do you remember that?
1: Um, I actually think it was the first time I made it from a small batch when I first opened to like a large batch that would last me an entire weekend, because when I first started the truck, I was every Saturday and that was about it for a couple of weeks. But once I went full time and I increased all my prep work, that first time I took it from the small batch to the super batch that I do now, it was something changed and. Really? Just the yeah. size of the batch? Just the size of the batch. Just changed it. That's crazy.
0: We'll never make a small batch again. Just keep mm-hmm. making bigger yeah. and bigger sizes and just <laughs> injecting more flavor into that sauce. It's it's phenomenal. So I got to get into the other portion of your menu now, and that's the burgers. So you, you kind of mentioned this off the bat, but you serve a Juicy Lucy, which is mm. a traditional burger, but instead of having the cheese on top, it's stuffed inside. These are traditionally... I don't know if they're from Minnesota, but that's probably yeah, where a- they're most famous. Um, I've seen them, and I've had them at a couple restaurants in Nebraska, but they're not typically done super well. I thought yours was. What made you want to feature the Juicy Lucy on your menu versus any other style of burger?
1: Um, well, I grew up in Ames, Iowa, and we traveled to Minneapolis quite a bit for conferences for my dad. And so we'd go to matt's bar in minneapolis which is oh fantastic the original home of the juicy lucy and so when i decided to do a burger i was like i kind of want to do that because we grew up making them at our house also um so i added my little spin on it and instead of using cube cheese like they do i just use sliced cheese because it's a little easier on me at the end of the day but it's cheese stuffed burger that when you bite into it you just get a mouthful of cheese and it's great.
0: There is, I, I think that's that special moment with the Juicy Lucy is you get like that eruption, that gush of mm-hmm. just warm cheese. And that's a big part of it too, is it keeps the cheese warm because it's cooked inside. I I don't know why people don't make more Juicy Lucy. Well, I think it's
1: harder. It. It takes a little bit to...
0: Yeah, tell tell me about that process because you have to take two patties and then put cheese in the middle and then kind of like crimp it around the outside. It can
1: leach out very easily. How long did it take you to master that technique? I mean, I'm still failing every now and again at it, at it but I don't know, it took a few weeks of just making a couple hundred burgers a week and figuring out, okay... Efficiency-wise, I can rotate hands this way, spin the burger this way, and crimp it one way, and then I can fold it over and spin it another way. And I have people look at me and go, how did you, like, what? (laughs) So it's just over time you just get used to making them, and it's, it's a process. So we do two three ounce patties, then I put a little over an ounce and a half of cheese, almost two ounces into the burger, press them together, and just start production line.
0: Mm -hmm. So when I had the burger, I was doing a video shoot um, with Visit Omaha, actually, and I had this idea. I was like, I want to get the shot, which the shot would be like pulling that burger apart and just seeing the cheese just ooze everywhere. And I was like, "Now I've never had this before, so I'm not sure if it's gonna work. I'm really hoping. But yeah, we cut into that sucker, pulled it apart, and it was just like those cheese pulls that just make Instagram go nuts. That was exactly what we were looking for. And then, yeah, you bite into it and you just get so much dairy. It's about enough to make a cow go lactose intolerant. It was fantastic. Um, Let's get into the special burger of the month. you you kind of mentioned that again, Juicy Lucy style burgers, but you kind of do some fun spins on them. Um, as we're recording this in August, so this might be changing very soon, but you're doing a uh, Crab Rangoon Yep, Juicy Lucy. Like what's the what's the research and development process as you try and come up with that special burger every month?
1: Um, I kind of just think about burgers that I've had over the years and go – I'm going to put this cheese inside of it and play it, play it this way and put the rest over here. And most of the time it works. There's a few that I've done that I ran for two or three days and threw the rest in the dumpster and said, nope, never again. And <laughs> move on to a new one. Like it's just trial and error at this point. Um, but yeah, right now we've got our Crab Rangoon burger. So we do a Crab Rangoon filling that I make, goes inside of it. And then we do a sesame ginger slaw. Uh, homemade sweet chili sauce, fried up wonton strips and green onions on the top of that burger. we'll run that through September um and then we'll start bringing in a fall burger, which not quite sure where we're gonna go that way
0: what's your favorite specialty juicy lucy you've run so far?
1: Our crab is the most popular okay. I did that when I first opened up, and it's gone through three or four revisions on. First, I started with just uh, red cabbage on the top, and then I made just like a vinegar slaw, and then I transformed it into this sesame ginger slaw that just by itself is incredible. Um, But the spring, I did a uh, brat patty as a Juicy Lucy, so I made a homemade brat patty and put smoked gouda inside of it and then made an apple mustard. Oh, dude. So it was basically applesauce and spicy mustard, and I would just eat that. That sounds incredible. But that was really good. Um, We've played around with a few different ones. I did a guacamole one, did pepper jack cheese inside with fresh guacamole, and that was pretty good. Done a chorizo stuffed one. Ooh.
0: Hey there listeners, we'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. Did you know that just 1% of all cattle raised in the U.S. is Piedmontese or that this red meat is so healthy that it's similar in micronutrients to Atlantic salmon and chicken breast? Rare, healthy, and most importantly, delicious. That's a trio that just can't be beat. I'm so confident that you'll get hooked on certified Piedmontese beef like I did that I want to help you try it. When you visit Piedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, you'll receive 25% off your order. That's 25% off steaks, burgers, brats, sausages, and even bacon. Yeah, I said it. Beef bacon. It'll change your life. Use my promo code to score a great deal and experience why Certified Piedmontese is such a big deal today. And now, back to my guest. So something that interests me so much about what you've said about a couple of different things is just how much of food truck life is just about adjustments. Like you were talking about when you're forming the patties, like you had to learn there was just a certain way that you had to move your hands to be efficient and be able to make this, this really difficult shape and make it work. And with the burgers, you know, you, you run a special for a couple of days. Sometimes it just doesn't work. It's not selling. You got to scrap it. Sometimes it's working, but you're like, hey, maybe I can twist the slaw a little bit and make it a little bit better. How much of food truck life is just making constant reads and constant adjustments on the fly?
1: Oh, it's an everyday thing. Um, Yeah, it's an everyday thing of adapting and overcoming any little obstacle that you come across. Um, You run out of something you have an issue on the truck you just short on food so you have to do just move things in different directions constant menu changes with like supply and demand issues right now and it's it's a constant constant battle mm-hmm.
0: so as i was researching this i scrolled through burning bridges instagram and i saw all kinds of interesting specials We mentioned, you know, you've got the staples. Those are pretty much always going to be on the menu. But in addition, you've run uh, special dishes like Nashville hot chicken sandwiches, fried catfish, mini cheesecake, and even a Guinness braised lamb shank. Now, the last one was a St. Patrick's Day special, kind of a special deal. But in general, how do you get inspired with what you're going to offer as a special? Like, do you just wake up one day and say, "What what if I made my own version of chili and a cinnamon roll? and yeah. put it on the menu, and tinker with that. Like,
1: where does the inspiration come from? Um, Just everyday life, seeing other restaurants try something, and I go, I could probably try that, and just do a little bit of research, and play with it a little bit, and it just, it works or it doesn't, but, like, I just want to try different things that usually aren't done. It's... I want to be out there a little bit. What's an example of that, being out there a little bit? Um, Like all the variations of the burgers I've done. um, A chicken sandwich that's gluten-free that actually has great taste. These are good points, Um, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I did a gluten-free chicken and waffles last fall. So that was something that was not done. And it worked out for a while, and then... I started just changing waffle ideas and it just kind of trickled out so I like I'm going to stop this for a while and
0: when when you say you you get inspired or like you see a restaurant doing something and you're like what if I did my version of that you said then you do your research what does that
1: research look like um I just take a look and see how Everything's constructed and kind of just put a twist on it on my own of, okay, they're doing this. I could try it this way, but I want to do a different direction with some of the things and just play around with.
0: All right. Yeah. Uh, So I am really, really fascinated to get into your background here because I think it's going to be really interesting. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout-out To one of my awesome sponsors, and that is Lone Tree Foods. How, dear listener, would you like to order the same ingredients that chefs are using at your favorite restaurants? That's exactly what Lone Tree Foods allows you to do. Nebraska's local food distributor is where many restaurants get their produce, meats, mushrooms, oils, and more. It connects small farms and food producers to restaurants, stores, schools, and you. That's right. All these awesome ingredients are available to you. I had never used microgreens in any of my cooking before encountering Lone Tree Foods, but now my wife and I have been incorporating this spicy mix of greens from Robinette Farms, and it just takes a pop of flavor, brings things right to the next level. I highly encourage you to check this place out. Visit Lone com to start purchasing restaurant-quality ingredients and upping your cooking game today.
1: Now, let's get back to you, Zach. How did you get into cooking originally? Um... So, ever since I was young, my dad always would let me be in the kitchen and learn and do as he did. So, I had no real background in cooking. It was just self-taught or what I learned from like other friends that actually did work in restaurants. So, yeah, no real background, but I've always just loved just cooking itself. It's peaceful and relaxing and you build something that's just incredible, and then you get to enjoy it. Was your dad, uh, did
0: he work in restaurants, or was he a home um, cook as well?
1: He was a home cook as well. Um, just plethora of cookbooks in our house growing up. So instead of reading normal books, I would look at cookbooks and just TV shows or cooking shows on TV. Any um, in particular? Um Anything Alton Brown. Oh, yeah. Um, Huge Good Eats fan. Basically everything on Food Network I enjoyed growing up. Um, I loved all the barbecue things on the Discovery Channel. Those always caught my eye, so we'd watch those all the time, and I'd incorporate it into stuff we'd do at the house and just play around with things. Now,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but from my research... I don't believe you had any experience
1: in the restaurant field before opening the food truck, right? Um, I did a summer in the Dire Lion and Big Green Q, so I had a summer of food truck experience before gotcha. I jumped into a food truck.
0: Okay, that, that is going to play into our story further, and I'm excited to talk about that. But as you were growing up and you had this fascination with food and you discovered that you really liked cooking and that it was peaceful... Was there ever a thought of entering the
1: restaurant industry or going to culinary school, or was that not your path? Um, So I thought about it, but I didn't really want to do cooking as a profession when I was younger. Um, It was just something that I liked to do on the side and enjoy, but not do large scale. Um, I was always... I always tinkered with stuff, so I was always mechanical and wanted to go that round or that route instead of a cooking route. So what what were you doing before
0: you got into the food truck game?
1: Oh, geez. I've done a few things now. Uh, I was in the motorcycle industry for seven years, so I worked on BMW motorcycles for five years and then bounced to a couple other dealerships. I... Ran a concrete pump for almost three years with two different companies and worked 80 hours a week doing construction and wanted to be my own boss. And that's kind of what pushed me to get into, well, maybe I should do a food truck. It seems easy, but there's a lot of work into it. So I was like, let's try it. So what came first, the idea to do your own food truck or
0: the opportunity to work on Big Green Q and Dire Lion, which to Um, to be clear for anyone listening, those are other food trucks that operate at at Trucks and Taps.
1: um, It'd been a few years of thinking I wanted to do a food truck. Um, And then one weekend the wife's like, hey, did you see this place opened up and it was Trucks and Taps? So we kind of went in and tried everything out and, one of the owners came up and started talking to me and was like, oh, if you ever have like free time and you, know, you could work on a food truck, so I would do Friday and Saturdays or Friday nights and Saturdays on either of the two trucks and got firsthand experience on what it's like and kind of came across where, hey, this food truck came available. They contacted us seeing if anyone wanted to buy it and... At that point, I was like, well, the time's right. Bought a food truck and didn't expect to go full-time so fast and started getting busy and went full-time in six weeks instead of six months. And the rest is history.
0: Okay, so I, I need to go back to that first service, that first Friday or Saturday that you worked on on one of those trucks. And, and to be clear for anyone listening, if you haven't been to trucks and taps, it's a super awesome place. It's a former Sonic drive-in that has been converted into a food truck hub. Like the center area is now a patio where you can get, uh, local beers from kegs, or you can get, a uh, you can get different craft cocktails and then food trucks like post up around the perimeter. So you can go and try stuff from three or four trucks. You can go with a group of friends, everybody can get what they want. It's awesome. Okay. Back to the story. Uh, What do you remember about that first service that you worked? So somebody comes and says, hey, if you want to give this a shot, we can always use help. And you say, yeah, sure. Like, give me an apron. Let's do this. What was that first service like?
1: Uh, So that first service was actually a wedding on a Saturday afternoon. And it was nuts. I didn't have the right shoes on, so I was sliding around the truck because it just gets messy. And... It was a, like a 150 or 200 person wedding. And it was just crazy chaos. nonstop for two hours. Just things in the fryer, things out of the fryer. Because that was my job for the day. You were the fry guy? I was the fry guy. And I learned quick. And i was like, okay, if you want to do this again, it'll be a slower pace tomorrow. If you want to come back. So I came back and kept coming back. and
0: I mean, as you're in the middle of that first service, what, and things are just insane and you're sliding around and there's hot oil splashing everywhere. What's going through your mind? Are you thinking are, like, are is there something in your mind where it's just like, yes, I like the thrill, the energy. I love this. Or is there a point where you're just like, oh my gosh, I need to get out of here. I'm never doing this again.
1: Uh, no, I loved it. It was something new that I had never experienced, and at the end of the night, it just felt great to have known that I fed all those people this side dish, or I was able to keep up with people that have been doing this for their entire life, and I'm just starting, so I'm thinking, okay, I can handle more tasks, and so I would just slowly start doing other tasks on the truck without asking or being told hey can you do this I would just start doing it um, and just started picking up the menu so I wouldn't have to ask hey what's on this or hey how does this this combo work it was just ask once or twice I'd get it stuck in my head and just take off. I think that what you just said there is
0: fascinating because I've had other cooks and now chefs tell me that that was the most important trait they think that they had is especially when they were coming up in the industry they weren't just focused on their task like if they're over the fryer they're not just focused on the fryer obviously they're putting the requisite amount of attention on it to put out good food but they're also watching what everyone else is doing. They're watching the knife cuts. They're watching the different, how different components are plated. Um, you know, maybe how front of house is being run, things like that. How important do you think was that for you as you start taking on tasks without being asked to do them?
1: Um, I don't know. It was pretty important. I mean, I've always been the kind of person to jump in and help other people out if we're in a like, group setting. And so I wanted to be able to help them out with, out, without asking, do you need help? I just wanted to be able to jump in there and help when they needed it. Um, but I've always been able to multitask and do crazy things like that where some people can only handle the one mm-hmm. task on the truck. Mm-hmm.
0: How long did you work on those two trucks, uh,
1: before you were able to find your own? Uh, so I started, it was like beginning of July when I started. And then about November when we started getting slow, I'd let the other guys work because I was still working 60, 70 hours a week with my construction job and decided I should start looking for a truck. So we started pricing out trailer builds and all that and it was that following february when kevin said hey there's someone in town that's selling a truck do you think you could get your money around i just said absolutely Like it was just no no, no question no hesitation no call to the wife it was yeah let's get this moving and within two weeks i had the truck at my house and cleaned up and ready for how I needed it. What was the tipping point for you where you knew you were going to
0: open a food truck? Because you said for a few years, you'd kind of been thinking about it. It was in your mind. And then you, you work on these trucks and that kind of gives you like a proving ground. Like, okay, do I, do I actually like this? Am I good at this? At what point was it just like solidified in your head? Like, yeah. I'm doing this. When I get the opportunity to get a truck, there's not going to be any hesitation. There's not going to be any call to my wife, for better or for worse. I'm just (laughs) going to do it.
1: Um, I don't know. It was about that time because we were getting ready to start, um, like, winding up for spring and getting all that around. And I was like, you know, I could build a truck. That would give me about July start time where because trucks at that point were six months to build. And I was like, that'd give me a good opportunity to give a half a summer, part-time with it. And then if I didn't want to do it, just sell the truck. But we found a truck. It looked good, bought it, and kind of jumped right into it. So we opened in May. So basically three months from
0: when you bought the truck, February to May, somewhere in there.
1: Uh, yeah, so when we found out about the truck, it was end of February when I bought it, so it was like first week of March when I took possession of the truck, had it at my house for two weeks, and it got wrapped, and then it was about another week at my house, and then it was at Trucks and Taps in the middle of May.
0: So, one of my favorite food movies, it's the movie Chef, and in in this movie, John Favreau is like a trained restaurant chef who gets fired. He decides to open a food truck. It's a really fun movie, but <laughs> it takes some Hollywood liberties, I would say. And one of them is when Favreau buys his truck. He he goes and buys like some beat up, crappy, rundown truck, and he transforms it into like this beautiful, attractive food truck in basically one day, with just help from, I think, his son and, like, one friend or something. It's just ridiculous. And maybe this is a little bit different situation from yours because you said you were actually buying a food truck. You didn't have to completely build it from the ground up. But I would love for you to just kind of give us a little bit more of the reality behind the food truck, behind, you know, the the flashy front and all what we see, but kind of what goes into establishing... What's on the inside, and how you're going to set up the line, how you're going to, uh, you know, position everything so movement is as efficient as possible. What were you doing in those weeks and months between buying the truck and then having it ready for service
1: to make sure that you would be set up set up for success? Um, I just went through everything. So, with having a mechanical background, I went through all the plumbing and replaced most of it because some of it would leak. And you can't have that. Um, All like the fuel and everything, we had to make sure that there was nothing wrong that side. I reorganized and repositioned things inside, so it worked better to my advantage. But, I mean, in the year and almost a half that I've had the truck, two new fryers, all new refrigeration, bigger flat top, water heater, I've done truck work itself, too, so, I mean, literally, I've built a brand new truck on a truck that already existed, so it's it's just constant upkeep. Um, nothing ever goes the way you want it to go. <laughs>
0: but that's where the mechanic background comes in handy. Mm-hmm. You can adjust a lot better on the fly than somebody who went to culinary school. Yep, that and
1: a little bit less on labor when I have to fix
0: things so correct me if i'm wrong but as as the truck is coming together you're still working a full-time job and your wife katie is
1: pregnant correct uh yes <laughs> yep. so how
0: how did you make all this happen
1: I, are there three of you i don't know um, this isn't multiplicity there's no there's no five of me um i'm just one person doing as much as i can to provide for my family um I think the pregnancy also was a push to become my own boss, to build something that I'm proud to go do every day. Um, yeah, so when we opened, the wife was my register, and it was me in the truck, and it was nuts. And I worked 60, 70 hours every week. On top of the on truck. On top of the truck.
0: Man, you are something else, i tell you. So, okay, I, I want to go back to the first day. You had your grand opening at Trucks and Taps on May 15th of 2021. What do you remember about the night before? As you're like, you know, tomorrow's the day this thing launches. Like, you've been thinking about this. You love cooking. All of this finally comes to fruition tomorrow.
1: Where's your mind at? Um... My mind was everywhere. So that morning the health inspector came, did our final inspection on the truck, final inspection for me to be at the commissary, and it was, how much food do I prepare for tomorrow? Am I going to run out? Am I going to have food left over? Are people going to just hate the food? Are people going to like the food? What if it doesn't work? What if I break down? What if this? What if that? And then I just got some advice and was told calm down. It's gonna go as it goes. And I'm pretty sure we sold out of almost everything that first day. Wow. It was it was pretty wild. Um at that point, since I was still smaller, I wasn't able to do like bulk orders from a Cisco or a Reinhardt. So most of our stuff came from restaurant Depot or Sam's club. And I remember having to send my parents to Sam's club in the middle of the day to go get more fries Really, and all that. Cause we ran out of fries. We ran out of pickles. Um, it was just, a, just a dance with chaos that didn't stop until eight o'clock at night. A dance with
0: chaos, that is that is poetry right there. Not good sounding poetry, like it sounds terrifying, but it, it's beautiful the way that you phrased it. Uh, so I'm just so curious, like, it, you know, anytime you have something that's brand new, whether it's a, I guess even more so than a restaurant, but with a food truck, it's just like something that people just walk up to and you get to see their reactions for the first time. You get to see them scan the menu and be like, Huh? what's a juicy Lucy or, oh, you know, I've never tried this fried chicken sandwich or something. Like, what were people's reactions on that first day? I know that you were really busy, so you're not being able to focus on every customer and how they're reacting necessarily when they're eating. But what do you remember about customers' reactions to your truck on the first day?
1: Um, I had a lot of people questioning how the chicken sandwich would be because they were afraid of the words gluten-free. Yeah. Most people, when they hear gluten-free, they don't think that it tastes good. This is the opposite. (laughs) Um, And that was my goal. But, yeah, I had a lot of people, I don't know if it's gluten-free. I don't really want to try it. And I would say, if you don't like it, I will give you your money back. I didn't have to give any money back that day. Um, But people loved the burger. The people that had the chicken sandwich were like, this is really good had a lot of, this is one of the best chicken sandwiches I've ever had in my life, which yeah made me feel better at the end of the day.
0: So I, I can only imagine what, like, what you were feeling that night when you get home and you know, you've had this dream and, and you think you've got this amazing fried chicken sandwich and everything, but you're never sure about how customers are gonna react until they actually taste your food <laughs> and react to it. What was your feeling like that night when you got home and you finally got a chance to rest?
1: Um. So I actually did not get to rest that night. You did. Uh, my birthday is the seventeenth, so I had like six friends from back home come out, and we were up all night. I mean, your
0: birthday present couldn't have been. Hey, give me six hours of sleep at least, guys.
1: No, nope. birthday present was a f- grand opening for <laughs> a food truck.
0: <laughs> so as you operate those <clears throat> first couple weeks, I I'm sure that you know you prepared a lot, but when you're actually executing on the truck and doing things on the fly you're learning all kinds of new things and saying okay this process that I had in my head scrap that it works in in my it like it works in concept it doesn't work in execution what are some of the biggest adjustments you feel like you had to make those first couple weeks to to adjust to food truck life you know you have these these processes in your head of how things are going to work on the truck but then once you actually like you know the bullets are flying I'm sure that there were adjustments you had to make. You were talking about slowing down a little bit.
1: Yeah, so when I first started, I was like, go, 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 go. And I would just get ahead of myself and lose focus. And I'd forget, oh, you didn't throw fries down or, oh, you didn't do a bun. So just having to slowly learn.
0: Okay, so I want to I want to get into trucks and taps a little bit. Okay. I I kind of talked earlier about how it's it's just such a unique concept. It's so cool. But I think something that is really interesting is kind of like you got your start there because those guys were so inclusive. Those other trucks, you know, came to you and and said hey, we, we want to, you know, help you. You can, I mean, part of it is they're getting help on their truck, but they also in turn, you know, empowered you and kind of gave you a chance. What is it in your mind about Trucks and Taps that makes it a special place?
1: Um, I know, as you said, the inclusivity on it. Both uh, Kevin Wyatt and Isaiah Renner, who own the place, just want to help everyone that they can to get where they want to get. I know they've worked to get where they are and have had help, and they just want to pass pass the buck along when they have the opportunity to.
0: Something that I absolutely love, and you <laughs> had this on your Instagram recently, is you posted a picture of an Izzy's Pizza Bus pizza, and I'm a huge fan of Izzy's. We had Brett and Cherish on the show. They're fantastic people. But you posted this picture, and you said, like, this is my third time having Izzy's already. I, I love this place, or something like that. And I there's just something so pure about seeing the trucks support and complement each other because like it's competition with, the, with when that when there are three trucks there if somebody goes to Izzy's pizza bus they're probably not going to come to burning bridges like they're they're spending they have to choose where they spend their money but it seems like you guys I mean I'm sure there's some aspect of competition there but you almost like don't see each other as competition but it's more like our collective success is just as important as any individual success. Is that mm-hmm. kind of the general feeling behind the, I don't know if family is the right word, but just the the group of food trucks at Trucks and Taps?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, everyone wants to see everyone succeed there. Um, but, yeah, we like to support other trucks and local businesses that are around, and I like to shout out whenever we usually get their stuff or they do the same with us but it's just a tight-knit community at Trucks and Taps where we lift each other up so we all can be at a higher level um we push each other to try different things we push each other to succeed um I know Isaiah who owns Dire Line and I have built a friendship that I just can't even describe to other people um he has helped me so much just to bounce ideas off of, vent to, um, just if I have questions about the industry since I didn't grow up in it. He is usually my number one resource. He helps with every truck that rolls through there. Um, I mean, it's just a tight knit community. So I've learning from him. Just as my way to thank him, just pass the same information that he does to me. If everyone supports everyone, it's how it's supposed to be. That's beautiful.
0: How long did you operate the truck part-time before you committed to going full-time? Uh, six weeks. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Six weeks. Yep. What What was it about those six weeks that gave you the confidence to make that leap?
1: Um, I started getting, after about the third week, I started getting calls and messages and uh, everything through social media of, hey, do you do stuff throughout the week? We want to come have you at our business. We want you to come to our office. Would you want to come set up here for a lunch? And it just kind of was a decision of, do I just keep turning people down and then in the long run hurt myself? Or do I push myself and jump off a cliff and go full-time? And I think going full-time was definitely the right choice at that time because we just, at that point, it was a night and day difference of how our weekends ended up. Mm -hmm. There's
0: one more thing I got to ask you about before I let you out of here, and that is your daughter, Carter, because she is all over your Instagram. There are pictures. If it's not a picture of a Juicy Lucy or a giant chicken sandwich, it's this adorable baby saying, come visit my dad at Trucks and Taps or or whatever the location is today. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And I love when, when restaurants or, or uh, owners incorporate their families and their personal lives into their social media. I think that just humanizes it so much. But we've done a lot of talking about how burning bridges came to be and the current state of the menu and what and what you have going on there it's in a very very good place right now but you've come a long way in a short amount of time I mean we're talking less than a year and a half of being open and you know you you've mentioned just how how much success has come so far when you look at the future of burning bridges what do you see
1: um I don't know I've got a few things in the works right now but we just want to expand maybe a second truck down the road if we have enough help. Um, as much as I'd love to do a standalone, those just right now is not a time to open a standalone. Um, but just doing the same thing we're doing, hopefully we can down the road expand the menu to like five and six options. Um but just keeping up putting out great food and getting the people what they want, oh, well, you
0: are certainly doing that, and listeners, if you haven't been to burning bridges this this is the siren call this is your This is your opportunity to correct that. Get to trucks and taps or follow burning bridges on Instagram or Facebook, see where they're popping up get down there. If you want to experience the juicy Lucy and just like that rush of cheese, that comes when you bite into that burger, definitely go get one of those or get, just get the chicken sandwich, bring your appetite, bring two appetites actually, but don't be scared because it's gluten free. That doesn't matter at all. I mean, it's actually a good thing if you do have food sensitivities, but it is just a fantastic chicken sandwich. And I think everyone needs to experience it. Uh, Zach, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and, and giving me your time. I really appreciate it, man. No, oh, thank you. All right, Omaha. As always, thanks for eating with us. A Media Production.